Thanks for listening to this message from The Block KC. The Block KC exists to help young adults build their lives on what counts. We believe that is Jesus and what God has revealed in His Word. We'd love to see you next Thursday, 7 p.m. at Lenexa Baptist Church. Now, let's listen to this week's message. Man, what's happening in Block Kansas City? Good to see you guys. I'm a little bit taller than this. There we go. Hey, welcome out to the block. Grant, thanks for introducing us. Uh, My name is Luke Hoagland, one of the directors here at the Block Kansas City. I serve Jesus here. I go to Journey Bible Church. Uh, That's a little bit about me. I am married to my wife, Bailey Hoagland, for, yeah, let's go. Okay. Been married for a year and four months, and it's been awesome, man. Uh, Yeah, we're doing a series Jesus's Greatest Hits. If you didn't get it at the video, Greatest Hits are an artist's best song. So we're doing some of Jesus's best moments in his life, best stories. So these stories are like Halo by Beyonce. Like that's one of her greatest hits, right? That's, that's my opinion. Maybe you've got another one. Uh, Coldplay, greatest hit. What do we think? Yellow, fix you. I have fix you in my notes. That's correct, yes. Michael Jackson? Beat it. There we go, yeah, I've got, I've got Billie Jean in my notes, you're correct, that's the top one on Spotify, at least. So, and I also have Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake, so that's, that's my favorite, yeah, let's go, that's my favorite one. I'm a big, big JT fan myself. So these are the moments in Jesus' life that, uh, that stand out, that cause us to come back to them again and again. Even people who don't know the Bible very well have heard most of these stories that we're, we're going through. They're not self-proclaimed greatest hits in the Bible. We came up with, with some of our favorites. There is more uh, great hits by Jesus, but that is our series. I'm excited to look at one with you tonight. So we're going to jump right in. Not skipping a beat. We're going to be in John chapter 9 If you have your Bible, you can meet me there if you want to follow along. So to set us up, we are, uh, where are we at in Jesus' life, in his ministry? Where where are we? And so what's been happening is Jesus in many ways has started to verbally state that he is in fact God, that he is the Messiah. He's he's saying it plainly. He's saying it in, in a ton of different ways. Any way you want to hear it, he's telling people this, and he's also physically doing these signs and wonders that were prophesied long ago, that the the person who comes to earth, that God's going to send, that's going to be the Messiah, he's going to perform these signs, healing people, all sorts of signs and wonders. And that Messiah is the person who's ultimately going to heal humanity from the power and penalty of sin. Jesus is God in the flesh. Some believe him. Some don't. Specifically, a group called the Pharisees. They're, they're a religious elite group who they're not buying it. They, they, they say, yeah, Jesus is doing these, these things, but uh, we, we, we don't believe him. We, this, these things are happening right in front of us. We, I think these are supposed to be from God, but actually we, we prefer our own power. We, we want to execute our authority uh, over the people, and so they deny Jesus. So these two chapters leading up to where we've been, Jesus is just dealing with these people. These, these Pharisees are accusing him of all sorts of things. They're trying to arrest him. They're trying to hurt him. They're trying to kill him. They're making attempts on his life, yet they fail time and time again for a few reasons. So it's not Jesus' time, for one, not his time to be delivered. That's kind of like the God reason. Second reason is he, they keep sending other Pharisees, being like, hey, hey, dude, go to Jesus. 
go to Jesus and would you arrest him for us? And so that guy's like, okay, I'll go. I'm going to go arrest him. And then they, they kind of listen to Jesus for a little bit and they don't arrest him and they go back and they're like, yeah, I think he's God. I, I think I believe him. Like they, they can't work up the courage to do it. Jesus is saying truth in love and speaking the words of God. And right before our passage tonight, he's revealing to these Pharisees that they don't actually serve and worship the one true God. They actually serve the devil. Some harsh words, some accurate words, and it doesn't sit well with the Pharisees. It doesn't sit well. They say, Jesus, you've got a demon. We don't believe you. And and you seem to be inferring that you are God. We serve our father, Abraham. We know that Abraham spoke to God. We don't really know about you. We serve our father Abraham. And you can read with me the the four verses leading up to chapter 9. Last four verses of chapter 8. Read with me. Jesus said, Your father Abraham, this person you claim to follow, Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews say to Jesus, you're not 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham, who was alive thousands of year, a thousand years ago? And Jesus' response, this, is, this was my vote to make the series as Jesus' greatest hit, his most mic drop moment. Jesus says, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. They picked up stones to throw at him and to kill him. They did not like those words. Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So that response, Jesus saying, before Abraham was, I am, he couldn't more explicitly been saying to them that Abraham existed, and I've existed before that. I am who I am. He's using the very name of God, the sacred name. Jesus is saying, I am he. I'm standing before you. I'm the people who led the Israelites out of Egypt, and I've led the people of God through all of eternity. I've always existed. I am he, and I stand in front of you. And that's where we pick up, John chapter 9, the story, the greatest hit for tonight. John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned, it was not his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This story is the entire chapter of John, uh, 41 verses. We're like three verses in here, five verses in here, and there is so much. We've got to get through the whole story, so we're going to crash course it here for a little bit. But I want us to explore the whole story and sit right here at the beginning, really for the majority of it, though. So imagine here, you're one of the disciples. You're following Jesus. You're learning all of these truths. He's speaking with authority from God. You're like, this guy must be a big deal. And he's saying all these, I'm learning so much about life and God, and I'm seeing him display this power and you just see, you see people trying to, to stone him, and you're running away with him, and things start to settle down. And so you pass by, and Jesus looks at this blind man, this, this man who's never seen anything in his entire life. 
This man has never been able to see. People might say he's been dealt a bad hand in life. And, and I love that the disciples, they jump at an opportunity right here. I love the question that they ask. It's the question that skeptics, atheists, haters, doubters, anyone, anyone from any social class, background, status in life has been debating really for all time. Kind of an unanswerable question that we've never gotten to the bottom of. The finite human mind doesn't get it. It hasn't gotten there yet. We can't grasp it on this side of heaven. This side of heaven. They ask Jesus, who's to blame? Whose fault? This, this man was born in a, in a seemingly horrible way. Whose fault is that? Why, why are people dealt these bad hands in life? People born with defects, disease, disorders, disabilities. What did he or his parents do? See, the disciples, they, they were stuck in a popular thought of the time. It's a popular thought even today. They were, they were thinking really with this mind of karma. This what goes around comes back around mind. That's another greatest hit with Justin Timberlake right there. What goes around comes back around mind. You reap what you sow. Someone is to blame, right, Jesus? He says it wasn't that this man sinned. It's not his fault. It's not that his parents sinned. It's not their fault. It's not great-grandma Gertrude's sin. It's not her fault, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work, we must work those works of God while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Point number one tonight that we're going to look at is this, that Jesus, the light of the world, gives Everything gives all things their ultimate purpose and meaning. Jesus, the light of the world, gives all things their ultimate purpose and meaning. He has great purpose for every person, for everything. And that's the first objective here in this story that he's going to teach the disciples. He answers their question right uh, but kinda. He doesn't really answer their question. They want blame. They want names. Whose fault is it? I want to put it on somebody, Jesus. And he says, in this man's case, it wasn't. I can't. You can't put it on one person. But what's true is I've got a purpose for this man. I've got a purpose for this man. It's not a cop-out answer. For those of you who, who want to get into the debate, I, I mean, we, we could talk about it. It wouldn't be super, super profitable maybe, but uh, it wasn't a cop-out answer. Jesus wasn't stumped. He wasn't caught off guard with the suffering question. And honestly, I, I, I believe if, if there was a simple answer here, and if it were good for us to know it, to know that answer, if we could digest it in our human fallen minds, I think Jesus would have given it. If it would have helped us live this life in some way that would help us glorify God, I, I think Jesus would have given that answer, but he didn't. I'm not sure that's the case. But what is true is Jesus wants to lead us into all of the truth that will be good for us. Anything you need to know, Jesus, he wants to give to you. He wants to tell you. Anything that will change us to see the world more rightly as he sees it, to have the right perspective in this life. Jesus wants to teach us that. 
Those who trust in Christ will one day get to know the answers to those questions in life. We will fully know in eternity on the other side of this life answers to those questions. What could possibly be the purpose and meaning in this, God? And Jesus, in his wisdom, he has all the answers. But he says, what's even more important than that, right now, for you, my disciples, that Jesus in all things has a good purpose. Jesus, as the light of the world, he wants to teach his disciples and teach us. This is what he wants to teach us. He says, while man looks at past causes, God works for future good purposes. While man looks at past causes, and there's a lot of difficult things to look at. There's a lot of questions to ask. God's going to work that all, and he can work that all for good purposes. There's a couple who serve and lead uh, at my church, and uh, they have a daughter who was born with Rett's syndrome. Um, Rett's syndrome is something that you discover a little while after they're born, maybe six months, and, and what happens is they kind of just stop developing. Physically, at least this girl has, has developed some, um, but cognitively she, she can't speak yet. She, there's not a lot that she seems to offer. It's a syndrome that hearing about it and some of the symptoms, we may ask God why. And Mark and Holly, they have asked God why. They've had to wrestle with that time and time again. Really, and the agony of learning this news, uh, there's not a lot of us in here that can imagine this yet, but in the excitement of having a life that you could be a part of bringing into the world and then to find out in a moment that they've got this syndrome, that joy and excitement of this life stripped away and it's replaced with this fear. I'm raising special needs, some, some sort of birth defect, some sort of disorder that's gonna change everything. How, how, God, could you have a way or a higher way or a higher purpose in this for me? And what did I do? What did we do to deserve this? Well, the hospital visits, so much therapy. There's, there's a video, uh, her name's Beatrice. There's a video of Bea that Mark posted to his Instagram account. Mark has 400 followers. I've got like 800, not a flex, but just to put it in perspective, <laughs> The most likes I've ever gotten is like 100 on anything. Could be, yeah, wow. Yeah, I, uh, and it was when I got married, so everyone like has to like that one, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mark has half the followers, and he posts this little homemade video. This video has 10,000 likes, has 63,000 views, growing daily. And it's littered with comments of how Bia's life and Mark and Holly and their faith and their joy that they exhibit in God, even though this suffering is present, is helping people continue on. It's helping people pursue God in the midst of their, their suffering. All of these families coming out of the woodworks, like my, my daughter, my, my son's got this as well, and I can't believe the joy that your girl has and the joy that you guys have. Man. Like, it's, it's tear-jerking. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that to you, but it's just true, and it's amazing, and it's, and it's glory to God of his power 
Mark had some words he wanted to share with us tonight. And he said, when we first got her diagnosis, I was confused and afraid, obsessing about the future, how raising a special needs child would change our lives. And the thing is, it's drastically changed our lives, but not in the way that I expected. Yes, we have hard days, but the hard days, they pale in comparison to the amount of joy we get in raising Bia. She's a precious gift from God, and I'm so thankful God gave her to us. And we would maybe see, we'd maybe say that Bia was dealt a worse hand in life than maybe the majority of us in here. But Bia, in her life, and her suffering, it's been used for amazing, logic-defying, and good purpose. Arguably more than mine. This, this girl's gone viral. She's touched so many lives. And so God, in all circumstances, even in the worst of circumstances and suffering, Jesus, the light of the world, has power to bring about good purposes in everything. Bring about meaning in something that doesn't make sense. And same goes for the blind man back in our story. He, he was dealt this bad hand in life. And Jesus, after teaching his disciples this truth, is correcting their thinking and understanding. He's, yeah, we don't look at these past circumstances and wallow in it. God brings hope and power and can change it all. He says, we must work those works. It's like, let's, let's not make this a theolo theologi uh, theology problem, a theological mistake. That's not what this is right here, this blind man. I want to work good purposes in that suffering that you see around you and in you in your life. Because the day will come when we'll no longer have that opportunity. We must work the works of God while it is day. We must not get hung up on these things that are uh, incalculable, incalculable and hard to figure out. We must work the works of God while it is day. Time is short. Your life is short. Make the most of the time. We must work the works of God while we can. Jesus sensed this urgency to heal this man because his days on earth were limited. His earthly ministry was going to end within a couple of years, maybe a year. So he heals this man. Jesus goes ahead. Verse 6, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. <laughs> then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The one who was sent from God, the Father Jesus, sends this blind man to a pool called Scent so that he can be healed and changed, and he's going to send him to tell a story. Which is point number two tonight. Jesus, the light of the world, physically and spiritually, brings light to the darkness. So Jesus, he physically heals this man here. Not only does he bring meaning to uh, this man's life, even in the worst of the suffering, but he also has the power to interrupt and defy the science. There's no, there's no cure. This hasn't happened before. God created the science. He sits above and outside of the science of it all. 
And he set it in order. And even though mankind has distorted this science, it's the way he's created this earth by sin, he still, in his love, upholds the universe by his power and by his mercy. So, yes, he's got the power to step into any situation and change it for better. The way Jesus physically heals this man here, it's, it's packed with good stuff. We can't get to all of it tonight, but Jesus could have chosen to say to this man, like, have sight, you know, and he sees. Or I, I don't know what sort of, um, wave a wand. He, he could do a million things that would, would give him glory, that would make this an amazing spectacle, but that's not what he does. What he does here is works up the salivary glands, spits on the ground, gets down, makes a little bit of mud or clay, and he pushes it into this guy's eyes. And I don't know how uncomfortable that is. It seems like one way to do it, I guess. His saliva, the dusty ground, and he works it all together. And this man trusts him, right? Like, I imagine myself, and I don't know, I have not been blind, but... Someone doing this, I I feel like I'm going to do that and be like, I don't want you to do that. That's not what he does. This man trusts. He's he's probably so desperate. He doesn't even know that Jesus is going to heal his sight. Jesus hasn't said that. He said the works of God are going to be displayed in him. This man is desperate. He wants his sight. And Jesus putting saliva and dust together, we have to know this isn't a formula of how to heal blind people. This isn't a a special concoction for you to go make a recipe of and go try it on the next blind person you see. That's not what this is. It's to show that the power is from Jesus. The power is not in the saliva. It's not in the dirt. Those are very ordinary things, but that he is a creator who has made everything that we see in man from dust. He's doing it right here because he has that power. He can bring light into darkness. He can bring good out of evil. He can save us from the worst of circumstances and suffering. So this man with Jesus' saliva and some dust on his eyes, uh, he's, he's sent. He says, go, Jesus said, go to this pool called sent, and he's still blind. So somehow he manages to get to this pool. Maybe he says, hey, there's a pool somewhere called Salome. Like, someone hold my hand and take me there. I don't know. But he gets there. He goes, and he washes, and he comes back to this place with his sight, He can now physically see light is a thing, a concept he'd only dreamed about. His eyes are open. He's healed of that inescapable suffering. Jesus, the light of the world, brings this man to the light. And this story continues. I'm basically going to do a summation of the next 20 verses. This, I, this is the entire chapter of John 9. We need to get through it all tonight. And, and so the summation goes like this. So he's, the people in this community, he, com- he comes back to where Jesus was previously, now seeing. He has sight. And people are looking at him like, who is this guy? Is this a, a new guy to town? Like, like what is this? And some people kind of recognize him. They're like, that's that guy that, you know, is holding his hand out in a random direction saying, hey, alms for the blind. Some food for the poor. Have mercy on a blind man. It kind of looks like that guy. But he's not doing that. He's looking me in the eyes. He's walking with a purpose. He knows, he knows what he is doing and where he is going because he can see 
physically, and he appears different to all these people. And he keeps saying, no, guys, like, I'm that guy. I am that man you're talking about. A man anointed my eyes. He put mud on him and his saliva, and he sent me to this pool called scent, and I washed, and I see. That's what happened. People in their confusion, they don't know what to do. They take this man, they take him to the Pharisees. They don't know what to do with them, and the Pharisees don't believe it either. Big surprise. And as typical critics of Christ, what they do is they just try to debunk it. They don't even seek to really understand what's going on. They say, nope, this can't be right. They actually come up with a reason that Jesus is actually a sinner. That man who healed you, nope, he's not of God. He's a sinner. He, he made, it was the Sabbath day, and he worked some saliva and mud together. That's, you can't work on the Sabbath. That's outlawed, so he's a sinner. And this is really not from the Bible. This is just one of their rules, one of the rules they had made up. They said that our rules about the Sabbath are actually more important than a man being healed of his blindness. They're sounding silly. And they try to cancel Jesus, and they try to cancel this man. And so they, and they, they question the man. They question his parents. They don't get anywhere with all of that. So they come back to the man, and they question him again, and they try to trick him into denouncing that Jesus could possibly be God. They say, tell us that he is a sinner. We know he's a sinner. Say it. Say he's a sinner. And the man responds with some very famous words. I know you've heard them. He said, guys, stop, stop, stop. Whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They argue with him a little while longer, and this formerly blind man says, guys, this is an amazing thing. Why are you so messed up about this? This is amazing. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And he won the debate. He, he wins the debate against the Pharisees here, and the Pharisees respond in a very childlike manner. In their anger and their self-righteousness and disbelief, they cast him out of the synagogue. Call him a sinner, unwelcome to come back. There's a lot of really good story and all that to dive into. We don't have the time for it all tonight, but I want us to look at how much things have changed for this man. People don't recognize him. Maybe he's standing a little taller. The man can see, he can walk with confidence, he can walk straight ahead, and most importantly, he's experienced the healing and goodness of God. He's a changed man here. This man's been touched by God in a way that has made things different. He's tasted and literally now seen that God is good. And Jesus proved he's got the power. He's got the power to heal blindness in his whole life, in his whole ministry. He, he heals basically everything. He raises a man back to life. There is nothing God can't stop the science of or change the science of to work out his good purposes in this world. And, this, and I want this to lead us into the last point tonight that overlaps. Point number three, that Jesus, the light of the world, he is the light that gives us spiritual, eternal life. After all this, we're going we're to keep reading now here in verse 35 now, if you want to follow along. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Remember, Jesus has been out of the story here for like 25 verses. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you've seen him, 
and it is he who is speaking to you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. So before these verses, remember, the man hasn't seen Jesus yet. He hasn't seen him. He's been blind, and then Jesus left, and he he doesn't know what Jesus looks like yet. And up walks Jesus and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And this for a person in Jerusalem, do you believe in the Son of Man? They know what this means. Do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe in the one who is sent from God to save us from our sins? He responds, I want to believe in him. I'd like to believe in that guy. Actually, I've just experienced this amazing thing from God, and I believe that he's good, and I know that he is for me. I'll believe in him. I want to believe in him. I don't know what he looks like. Who is he? And Jesus tells him plainly, you've seen him, which is Jesus telling the man that he knows he was blind, and he knows that he's been healed from it. And he says, here I am now. I'm speaking with you. And in faith, the man responds, Lord, I believe. Jesus is the light that we need. He's the light. We need him. We need to stay close to him. We need him to heal us of our spiritual blindness, to take us out of darkness. The previous chapter, actually, here in John 8, Jesus introduces, this isn't the first time Jesus calls himself the light of the world. John 8 is where this is introduced. It's uh, verse 12. You can read with me. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What he's saying here, he's, he's bookended this, this healing of the blind man with, I am the light of the world. He, he's talking about there's, a, there's another problem here. There are people that even though they physically see, they are spiritually blind. That is a worse problem. There are people who can see yet are blind. And in this case, some of these people are the religious ones, are the spiritual ones, are are the ones that should have it together. They're blind, and this man sees. He says these people with spiritual blindness, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're living for. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to live. And Jesus came to show them. Those people who don't see, Jesus came to give them spiritual sight. So that I, you, anyone who follows Jesus can be healed of spiritual blindness. And and that's the case. If you don't know Jesus, that's what he is saying right here. There are people who are spiritually blind because they don't have the light of Jesus illuminating everything for them. And there's people who see because they have the light of life. Jesus showing them. He wants to save us out of the spiritual darkness that we walk in and have walked in and for some of us once walked in and to give us the light of life. When we follow Jesus, we don't walk in darkness. When you follow him, you're not in darkness. Those who follow him know that he is the savior, he is the truth, he is the light, meaning by him we see our life. 
We see all things. As we walk, he illuminates. He is the light to our path. He is the lamp to our feet. He shows us the way. We take a step, and he's there. He's the light illuminating it for us. We don't come up with our own thoughts, our own ways. He, 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 lets, us, he lets us think, and he's going to use our talents and our minds and our energy in ways that bless the kingdom and serve him. But he directs our path and our very next step. He's come to give us life and the light of life and to give it abundantly. That's John 9. That's the man who was born blind. And, and to recap our points tonight, Jesus, the light of the world, he gives everything their ultimate meaning and purpose. He physically and spiritually brings light into darkness. And he is the light that gives us spiritual, eternal life. Some applications, some simple ones in Jesus being the light of the world. What does God mean? What is he calling us to? First one is just come to the light. If he is the light and we're in the darkness, we need the light. If anyone follows Jesus, you no longer walk in darkness. You have the light of life. He's freely giving this to you, freely offering this to you. He's the light of salvation to save you from your sins that you walk in. And it's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, so that no, not a result of you and anything you do, not a result of your works, so that no one can boast. Jesus will welcome you. He will give you spiritual, eternal life right now. Secondly, stay close to the light. You've come to know Jesus. You're still prone to walk away. You, you, you stay close to the light. If, if you're a Christian in the room, you know that you just don't, you don't naturally stay close to the light. It's not your bent. You were, you were born in sin. You have sinned over and over again. You've made a mess of it time and time again. Jesus is still all you need. You stay close to him. He is your purpose. He is your life. Only through him you can see all things rightly. And lastly, you share the light. It's too good of a cross-reference to not go here tonight, but uh, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus uses this same theme. He's, he's teaching his followers about the kingdom of heaven, about God, and what he says. He says, you are the light of the world. He said, I'm the light of the world. He says, my followers, you are the light of the world. A city set on a, set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it shall give light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And, and I know this concept of I am the light of the world, Jesus saying you are the light of the world. If you've gone to church and if you are a Christian especially, you've heard this time and time again. Light is one of the most common uh, themes talked about in the Bible. I know you've heard about this, and that's where I really want to be careful. And this is where I, I want to be careful sharing this, because I know this is one of the easiest things to just go, yep, there it went, you know, and, and not let it mean anything for your life. But Christian, this is your purpose. This is your 
purpose in life, your life that did not have eternal significance before. You've been saved and reconciled to your creator and he's given you this purpose, that you would be a light that redeems and restores people, souls around you. He's inviting you into the works of God while it is day, while you've got time here on this planet. You're not meant to come to Christ and do nothing, but you're meant to be a Christian, which means a little Christ. You should look a little bit like Christ, not as great as him. You couldn't be him. You look like Christ. And he's given you the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. He's the power of God within us. Christian, we are the light of the world. We're God's plan. Another greatest hit. We're God's plan to reach our community. We, we are. You, we are the light of the world. He's not joking around. He's not trying to build us up and pepper us up and butter us up to be like, oh, I've got so much, like, Jesus thinks so highly of me, but it's really all him doing the work. He's inviting us to work the works of God in our lifetime. He's invited you into that. Let me pray that you join him. God, thank you that you healed this man, this blind man. God, the fact that you've just even spoken into this horrible suffering and displayed your power in such a way, it gives... It gives couples like Mark and Holly such great confidence and faith in you. You didn't, say, you didn't stay silent on this topic, God. And even I am thinking, it's like, I want to have kids one day. God, just to know that even if things happen in this way, you can work out such amazing purposes still. God, and you want to do that even in us, even us who can physically see, even in us who don't have some of the seeming birth defects or, or ways ab about them that have been, we haven't been dealt that bad hand. God, you still love us just the same and want to work these works in us. And God, would you just give us faith? God, that even though we maybe don't see where you're sending us, God, we would just submit. And God, know that you are going to work amazing things in and through us because you are the light of life and you've offered us the light of life that we could live a true, spiritual, eternal life. No longer walking in blindness and darkness, but in the light of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the meaning and purpose that you bring, that you love each of us individually. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.